Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. You say, people say, well, I know God is loving and a loving God would not send people to hell. He just wouldn't do that stuff. When I see him, he's just going to let me go because I try to be true to myself. I try to be a good person. I try to be a good person. So that's why God is going to let me in. But to do that, to let you in, that would mean that he is a partial judge, that he is an unjust judge. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Let's start today our journey here in the book of John, John the 11th chapter, John 11. I want to read two verses for you, John 11, verses 25 and 26. And we'll speak today from the subject of, will you be ready ask your neighbor will you be ready will you be ready so come on and go with me go with me john the 11th chapter verse 25 says this jesus said unto her talking about martha there at the tomb of lazarus jesus said unto her i am the what i am the what I am the resurrection and the, and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall what? Never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Jesus proclaimed himself to be the resurrection. Oh my God, what a wonderful king we have. And then in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, look at verse number 18. Look how Jesus describes himself as well. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And guess what? And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus said, I hold them now. Now it is very fitting for Jesus to hold them because Jesus is judge. We're going to find this in Matthew, the 25th chapter, that Jesus will judge the living and Jesus will judge the dead. Jesus is the judge. Now that's very powerful. Look at Romans 4, verse 25. We're setting you up today. Romans 4, verse 25 says, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus was delivered for our offenses. Offenses mean sins. He hung upon the cross for our sins and was raised again for our what? For our justification. Justification is actually a legal term. Anybody ever been in a court of law before? Don't raise your hand, but we know it. If you've ever been in a court of law or at least seen it on TV, you understand the judge always sits highest in the room. He sits highest because his authority reigns over the entire room. What the judge says goes. The Bible says that Jesus was delivered. He went to the cross. He died because of our sins. And he was raised for our justification. This means that he rose from the dead. He was resurrected so that he could proclaim the guilty as innocent. So that he could proclaim you to be without one fault, without one flaw. 
He was raised so that he would have the authority, the right to declare that you are justified. The word justified also means just if I'd never sinned. To wash your sins so completely away, it is as if you've never sinned the first time. Jesus did that for you. He died upon the cross because of your sins. And then he rose so that you could be justified, so that you could be reckoned right in the sight of God. So when God looks at you, he sees nothing missing, nothing broken. As if you've never done anything bad the first time in your life. Now, only a judge can declare that. Justification, again, is a legal term. This is what a judge says from his bench. You have offenders, people sitting there. You have the accuser and you have the, 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 the uh, defense. And they're both arguing back and forth. One is trying to say, uh, who is the devil trying to say why you should be punished? But you have your defense, the Lord Jesus, who is also on your side, declaring and showing the marks of the salvation, showing the marks that are in his body that were, that were given for you, showing his blood. How he has redeemed you. At the same time, Jesus is also there in the judge's chair. Oh, this is marvelous. You're going to have to see this. Now, he is the one who will actually declare us innocent or guilty. It doesn't matter what the devil says about you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It only matters what the judge says about you. We do well knowing that what God says is the only voice that actually matters. Now, we're saying this because we're going to go into the book of Hebrews as well. Look at Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, verse 27 through 28. Now, notice this, it says, and it is appointed unto man, unto men once to die. But after this, what happens? The judgment. It is important for you to know that Jesus, he's also your savior, but he's also your judge. And he's also the one who died on the cross for you, taking your sins away. Going back to the courtroom illustration, let's say someone, um, someone dies and, and they stand before King Jesus, who is the judge. And Jesus hears the words of the accuser, uh, the devil saying, he did this and you did that, you did this and you did that. And then because of the righteous judgment of God, because God is righteous, he can't just let you off of the hook. He can't just let you go. No matter how much he loves you, if God were to do that, then he would not be a righteous judge. If you find any judge in any courtroom uh, who, uh, let's say, the, because this person may be of different skin color or from a different socioeconomic background, maybe their family is rich, and the judge would say to them, well, you can go because I know your daddy, he'll, he'll help me out a little bit later, so I'll let you go because he'll give me the green. You would say, no, that judge is unfair. He's unfair. That judge is not righteous. You say that judge is partial. But because God is a just God, a just judge, Jesus is just. He will judge according to the crime. He will judge it. You can say, well, well, God wouldn't mind. He'll, he'll let me in heaven because I've done good things. I've done a lot of good in my life, so I know God will, will let me in based on my goodness. Well, let me say, let's go back to that same courtroom illustration again. 
If you go and there's another person that comes up and they have robbed the bank and on their way out, they shot a few guards. But they get up before the judge and say, judge, you ought to let me go because I try to help people the best I can. I try to help. I pick up the trash. I try to give people money and all that stuff. The judge may say, well, hey, that's great, but there's nothing to do with the crime that you just committed. You're not judged on your goodness. You'll be judged on what has actually happened. So Jesus is the judge. Yes. But he's the only judge that gets down from the judge's bench and says, stand aside, son. I will pay the penalty for you. I will go to the electric chair for you. I'll pay the price for you so that you can go free. So the judgment is secure. Somebody did pay for the crime, but the judge himself took off his robe, came down and paid the price for you. And you go on the basis of his innocence. The judge didn't do it. You did it. But because someone paid the fine, someone paid the crime. You know, you you heard the saying, you do the crime, you do the time. Well, in our case, Jesus, we did the crime, but Jesus did the time for us. And so now the father says he can be righteous in declaring the sinner right when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is the judge and he's also one who takes the punishment. And he's also the one who stands and gives you his own righteousness as a free gift. Look at verse number 27 again. It says, and and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Look at verse number 28. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. That's why Jesus came down to bear your sins. That's what we saw in that little movie clip. Jesus bore our sins and up and unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. Now look now consider also in Matthew seven, Matthew seven. Because there will be a lot of people who will hear the gospel message, hear the good news of the message, but that will still say, I can do it my own way. I can serve or I can be around the things and still not fully give my life to him. Let's look at this. Notice what will happen on judgment day. Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 21 says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter on judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you get away from me. You who break God's law. It is very unfortunate that many people will actually, many souls will actually burn in hell forever. Actually burning in the lake of fire. Now when people do that, they go over, they step over the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to do that. 
out of everything that God has done for them. This is why, again, God is just. You say, people say, well, I know God is loving, and a loving God would not send people to hell. He just wouldn't do that stuff. When I see him, he's just going to let me go because I try to be true to myself. I try to be a good person. I try to be a good person, so that's why God is going to let me in. But to do that, to let you in, that would mean that he is a partial judge, that he is an unjust judge. Somebody has to pay for the sin. It's either you allow Jesus to do it for you or you do it yourself. Somebody has got to pay for it. Are you hearing? Let's go to Romans. Let's go to uh, Romans, the third chapter, Romans 3. And let's look at this, Romans 3. I want you to see how God sees humanity and how God may be looking at you right now. Romans 3, verse 10, it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. Uh, that is, in other words, saying there's none who is truly wise. There's none that understandeth or is truly wise. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable or useless. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. What is the word of God saying? All of these that say, I can do without God or, you know, I'm a good person. I can do things. When God looks at it, when the judge looks at it, he says, you're unprofitable. You're useless because you think you're doing good, but actually you're doing it for the wrong motives. You're doing it to appease yourself. You're trying to make yourself feel better. You're helping people to make yourself feel better. When I do some good for somebody, it makes me feel better. Ask people, why did you give your life to Jesus? So I wouldn't have to go to hell. Why do you go to church? So I can, you know, I got to put my time in. It's all about you, right? <laughs> he says, that's why he said, there's none that does good. There's none that seeketh after God. Because you in your fleshly state are all about you. Every motive we have is about us. So the Lord says, hey, apart from me, all you do actually do is evil. It's not accounted as good or as, or as goodness. I pick, up trash in the, I pick up trash in the park. Why do you do that? Well, I, did, I cheated on the test the other day, so I figure if I pick up trash in, in the yard, that helped even out. Oh, it's still about you, right? Always. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that does right. There's no one that does it for just because I want to worship and honor him. Apart from him, we have that sin nature. And it's all always just about us. Romans 3 verse 23, and you'll see this again. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even in your goodness, you want to try to do good things, it still falls short of God's glorious standard. It falls short. Yes, everybody has sinned. I once asked the question, do you know why people actually die? You know why people actually die? Well, let me show you why people actually die. Let's look at Romans 6, chapter, Romans 6, verse 23. This is why people actually die. The Bible says, for the what? Wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. When you go to work, 
And you earn money, you get your paycheck, your paycheck is your wages for the things that you have done. That's your payment. And the Bible says that your payment for your sin is death. This is why people die, because they're receiving their payment. They're getting their check. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But uh, I love what happens after the but. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus or through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have a choice. You have a choice. Anyone that goes to hell, anyone that endures a lake of fire will have to step over the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Have to step over what Jesus did, step over his blood, step over his sacrifice, step over all of this pain because they think that they are good as they are. Death happens because it's a wage of sin. Look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel 8, 18 and 4. Let me show you this again, what God thinks about sin. Ezekiel 18, verse number 4. It says, behold, all sins are mine, or rather all souls are mine, the Lord says here. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall what? It shall die. I don't think that's fair. Well, when you make a world yourself with living beings yourself, you can do everything you want to with the people and the things that you created. God has a glorious standard. He has a plan. What his plan is perfect and it works. It works. It works. Now, you hear people often say, well, my daddy was a preacher. That's why I know I'm going to heaven. My granddaddy was a preacher. That's why I know I'm going to heaven. My mama went to church. Uh, that's how, how I know, uh, you know that I'm going to heaven because someone else has been good in my life. So I'll get to heaven based on how they've acted. Oh, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> Let's clear that up, too. Let's go to the same book, Ezekiel, 18th chapter. Let's go down to verse number 20. Verse 20 says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. That is, if your daddy has, has sinned and done something wrong, the son is not going to be punished for it. God will not punish you for the sins of your parents. By the same token, if, uh, if your children have done bad, have done evil things, God's not going to punish the parents for what the children have done. It says here, uh, it says, uh, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. In other words, every tub has will sit on its own bottom. You won't get to heaven. You won't get in the favor of God based on someone else's merit on someone else's works. You, neither will you go to hell based on what someone else did. This is upon you. I'm thankful for our parents and as parents and as grandparents, we pray for our children and grandchildren, but they won't get in because of your prayers. They'll get in because they receive Jesus themselves. Hallelujah. Verse 21. But if the wicked will turn from all from all his sins that he have committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right he shall surely live. He shall not die. He shall not die. Still others will say, you know what? I, I don't know. I still think I'm a good person. 
I think I'm a good person. I don't care. I think that I am really a good person. I try not to mess with anybody. I try not to cuss at them unless they deserve it, of course. (laughs) I try not to cut them. I feel like it. I try not to do anything bad to people. I don't let anybody do anything bad to me. I I try to help people out. I give them the shirt off my back if I can. I try to help everybody out. I know I'm a good person. But see, the problem with that is, whose standard are you using? If we say I'm a good person because I don't, at least I'm not a rapist like them. At least I don't, I don't uh, cheat or I don't sleep all around, all around like them. I don't do all this. I don't do that. You're measuring yourself by other people. But other people is not the standard. God has actually given you a moral law. And in the moral law, we call the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments act as a mirror. That's the purpose of them. Not for you. God did not give the Ten Commandments or the moral law in order for you to try to do them in an effort to be right with him. He gave the Ten Commandments to show you your exceeding sinfulness. How do you stand up on judgment day? How will you stand up? This is the mirror. The Ten Commandments are simply a mirror to see how you stand up against God's law. Well, in the Ten Commandments, the first three of the Ten Commandments talk about how we relate to God. The second uh, two, the second uh, verse um, number four, the fourth and the fifth commandment uh, deal with how we have to treat ourselves and the uh, the commandments six through ten have to deal with how we relate to our neighbors so on the day of judgment if the Lord were to ask you have you ever lied before well maybe one or two see that's a lie right there (laughs) you say yes I've lied yes have you ever stolen anything before even the smallest thing. Have you ever downloaded something without someone's permission and, 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 and duplicated and sold and so forth and so on? Have you ever done that before? Have you ever stolen something? Well, yes. Yes, yes, I've stolen something. So right now you're telling me that you are a liar and a thief. That's what you're saying. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Use name in vain. Uh, yeah, I think I may have once, once or twice. There you are lying again, right? Have you ever had sex before marriage? Have you ever looked at another person with lust? That is committing adultery. That's what Jesus said. If you looked at a woman or look at another person with lust, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. So we would say yes to all these things. We would say yes. Have you ever uh, disrespected your parents? Uh, so we see that you are a liar. We see that you are a thief. We see that you are a, a blasphemer taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, we see that you have disrespected parents that you, and all these things. So you still think that you are a good person in the sight of God. When you stand before God and the books are open, the moral law of God is open. How would you How would you stand before him? You couldn't. There's no way possible that you can stand before God's glorious standard. And the standard is very high. It's not like man. This is why you need a savior. Somebody is going to pay for your sins. Somebody is going to hell. Somebody is going to receive 
damnation. Somebody will be condemned. The question is, will it be you or will you allow Jesus to pay the fine for you? Will you allow him to pay the price for you? How do you do that? How do you do that? The Bible says that we repent of our sins. We repent of our sins and we believe in Jesus. We turn from our sins, turn from our wicked ways, and we seek his face. Now, that may happen in a moment. That may happen right after you say amen in some sort of prayer. Or that may happen over, over a period of time as you, see, as you say, God, I repent, I repent, I repent. I turn from my ways. I don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't want to do alcohol anymore. I don't want to sleep around anymore. I don't want to do these evil things anymore. God, I turn from that, and I turn unto you, and I ask you, Jesus, save me save me as you cry out for salvation then the king of glory comes inside and he empowers you by his spirit to walk this life you see you can't walk this walk without Jesus it's impossible it's impossible the Bible because in the book of um, Jeremiah I believe that the heart is this is this is is desperately wicked, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? You don't know your intentions. You need a savior. Look at, again, let's go to Romans. Let's look at God's promise again. And we're beginning to close. Romans, the third chapter, one more time, verse 23. It says, for everyone has sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet... I love that. I love that word yet. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Thank you, Lord. He freed you from the penalty of your sins. Verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, for your sin, by the way. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Somebody's got to pay the fine. Somebody has got to do the time. Somebody will be going to hell. When Jesus got off of that cross, when he, when, when he died, when he said, Father, he said, it's finished. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In order for him to pay the full price for us, he had to go into the lower parts of the earth. He had to go there. He had to go into the deepest part of hell. In order, he had to do that, the deepest, most vile part. So even if Hitler decided to give his life and be saved, he had to pay the price that Hitler would have paid. 
He had to go to the deepest, darkest hell. He had to go into the lake of fire. So there he goes. He's carrying your sins. He's carrying your sins. He who knew no sin became sin. Your sin and my sin was upon himself. And so spiritually, he came down off of that cross and went down into the lower parts of the earth. And he went into the deepest, darkest, nastiest place into the lake of fire. And he burned up our sins in the lake of fire. He came up out of that place, out of the lake of fire. No sins whatsoever upon him. Your sin and my sin dealt with. And he rose up on the third day without sin, without blemish, completely justified, completely holy, completely righteous. And then he turns and says, Father, anybody that believes in me, I would declare them righteous because he has paid the price. He paid the price. He did it for us. So he is fair and he is just. Our father God is not impartial. He's not an unjust judge who's going to let people off. Okay, well, you're a good person. You help this one. Oh, you help that person. You help that person. No, if you do the crime, if you sin, the soul that sinneth, it will die. The wages of sin is death. Somebody is going to pay for it. It'll either be you or it'll either be our Savior. You find that as well when the Lord was crucified there on the cross. You remember this, and there were three crosses that day. And Jesus was hung between two other, uh, two other persons, two other male factors, and he took Barabbas' place. Barabbas should have died that day. Barabbas was known as a notorious criminal, someone that deserved to die. Notorious means everybody knew it. He was a rascal. He was a scoundrel. He was a murderer. He was a thief, a rebel rouser. He deserved to die. But Jesus said, I'll take his place. That's exactly what happened with us. He took our place. Somebody has got to pay for those sins. It's either going to be you or it's going to be the son of God, the savior of the world, the one that has come to take away all of our sins. Let's conclude here in, in, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews 10. Let me show you how God did this. In the Old Testament, God wasn't pleased with goats and bulls and all of that stuff that had to happen. He had no pleasure in it, but it was necessary for the time. It was necessary. I want you to notice this. This will help bring this to proper light, too. When a worshiper would come and they know they had sinned, they know that there's sin in their life. They would bring a sacrifice. They'd bring some sort of animal. They would bring a lamb. And the high priest, when the high priest, uh, when they came to the, to the synagogue, they came to the temple, and the worshiper, the person would bring their sacrifice, that lamb, and they'd bring them in the house. Can you see a man there with his, with his lamb? The high priest no longer looked at the man. The high priest looked at the quality of the sacrifice. 
The high priest will look up and down, look the sacrifice up and down. This is why Malachi, the Lord was so mad at them because they began to bring God sacrifices that were lame, that were blind, that were diseased. God said, I see the quality of your sacrifice. If the sacrifice was acceptable, if the lamb was acceptable, having no spot, having no blemish, then the person, the worshiper, would actually lay their hands on the lamb's head. And there would be a transference of sin. And now this sacrifice, this lamb, would now be sacrificed. And his blood would shed on behalf of the person. The worshiper was not observed. The worshiper, it didn't matter what sins was on the person's life. We knew that there was sin on the person's life because they came bringing a lamb. So the person was never examined. It was only the lamb that was examined. If the lamb was received, then the person could go free. This lamb that was completely righteous, he didn't lie. It didn't steal. It's completely innocent. This innocent blood would be shed for the worshiper. And so the righteousness that would be upon the lamb would then come upon them and the worshiper would go home free. Knowing at that moment when that lamb died, at that moment that God saw them as just, God saw them with no shame, no guilt. God saw them as nothing missing, nothing broken. God's no longer mad at me. They can go back home happy and skipping down the road and rejoicing because their lamb has been accepted. By the same token, when Jesus died for you and I, and you receive him as your Lord, as your Savior, Jesus is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. When Jesus died upon that old rugged cross and he got up the third, the third day and he presented his own blood before the Father, the Father looked at Jesus up and down, up and down, and he saw absolutely nothing wrong with this Lamb whatsoever. And so now every worshiper that comes before God and says, Lord, I place my hand upon Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior, the goodness that was on Jesus, the righteousness that was upon Jesus is now imputed to your account. Now you can go home a happy and a skipping and a jumping and a leaping because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Hallelujah. And now before God Almighty, you are just, you are just as if you never sinned one day in your life. Because you are not examined, it's your sacrifice that is examined. And God sees Jesus as good and very good. The perfect sacrifice up to the perfect God on a perfect day. Making a perfect way for you and I. There's only one reason any of us are going to go to hell. That's because we decide that we're going to pay the crime ourselves. But that was not God's plan. He knows that you're not good enough. He knows that you can't do good by yourself. Give me a break. You're the only one that will be deceived in thinking that you could do enough good. God knows you can't. So he says, if you believe in my son, repent of your sins. Believe in my son. Believe in what he did for you. The judge comes off the bench and says, I'll take your place. 
I'll do it. What kind of judge is that? What kind of judge? Even in today's world, the judge says, all right, I sentence you to, to five years, five years in hard labor. And then you go and the sheriff gets you up in your chains. But the judge says, no, take the chains off of him. I'll go. Put me in it. I'm going for him. Come on now. I, I, I'll go for him. I'll, I'll pay the time for him. I'll do it for him. You put your trust in him. You believe in him. The father says, I'll, I'll, I'll reckon you righteous when you put your faith and trust in him. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verse 10 through 17. It says this. For God's will was for us to be made right, rather for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the Old Testament, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering... He forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Jesus forever perfected you. And you're being made holy right now. I don't care what man says. I don't care what people have said from your past. I know what you used to be. Yeah, but you don't know what I am right now. I am the redeemed. I am a son of God. The blood of the Messiah is on me. Are you hearing me? Look at verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. I will never again remember it. Now you and I got some faulty memories sometimes. We, we forget stuff. I wonder by a show of hands how many people would remember what you had to eat last night. Just really quick. One person, two people. What'd you have to eat for breakfast two days ago? How many of you remember people's phone numbers? Say, my phone does that. That's why I need yeah. But the mind of God is infinite. And then when God says, what's sin? What are you talking about, Tim? What are you talking about? What's sin? You did when? Really? I don't remember that. He says, I will remember your sins and iniquities, your sins and lawless deeds. I won't remember them anymore. 
You think about it. If somebody's done you wrong, somebody's done you dirty, you know they, they took your money, you see them coming, hmm. So-and-so got my money. So-and-so did me wrong. I can't believe she did that to me. Oh, mm, 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 mm. When you see him, you automatically remember. Huh? But the work that Jesus did for you was so perfect that when God looks at you, he doesn't see any of that. All he sees is, hey, baby, come on. Come on, son. He doesn't see any of that. He doesn't remember any of that. Which means that your relationship with him is always perfect. He's always glad you came. I'm going to have to sing it. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be what you can see. What troubles in the Jesus knows your name. We're going to let it go like that. Are you hearing me? So why would anybody go to hell? Why would anybody purposely say, I want to pay it myself? It's like jumping out of a an airplane at 20,000 feet without a parachute say, I don't need a parachute. I'm going to flap my hands as fast as I can do it. I'm going to flap it. I'll get myself out of this. I'll get my... I'd rather have Jesus parachute and trust in my parachute. Because when you stand before God, when you stand before the great judge, you're going to need to know. You're going to need to know. I won't be shaking on that day. I'll be tiptoeing through the tulips. I'll be having a good time on that day. I won't be shaking because I know in whom I have believed. So I'll ask you, finally, will you be ready? Because all of us will die. Science has already discovered. Some people have a lot of trust in science. Well, let me give you the scientific fact. 100 out of 100 people will die. Unless our Lord comes back within our lifetime, we will all die and see him. I believe Jesus is going to come back any second. I mean, right now, I'm ready right now. I'm ready right now. I mean, right now, Lord, it'd be a good time right now. I mean, right now, <laughs> I'd be a good time right now. But we, a lot of people thought he was going to come back in 2000 when it Changed over from 1999 to 2000. He didn't come then. They thought he was coming back in Bible times. He's going to come back. When he first left and went up on the cloud, the disciples looked up. Expecting him to come back right then. He is coming, but I don't know when. And he's coming. But if he tarries, if he doesn't come during our lifetime, all of us will stand before him. All of us, you may be late for some appointments, but you won't be late for that one. It's appointed unto man to die once. After that, judgment. 
So how will you be? Will you be ready on that day? Online community, will you be ready on that day? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given unto us. And Lord, I pray that you will quicken our hearts to the validity of your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us of our sins. That we would know that we have need of a Savior. And Lord, that we would put our faith in what Jesus has done. And that we would not have to die the death as so many. Lord, we don't want to be in that number of the people who would say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this for you and have we done that for you? And then you will have to say, I don't know you. I never knew you. Father, I pray today that you'll open up our eyes and that we would repent from our sins and turn to you. And right now, everybody in this room and all around the world, if you're listening and watching, there's no magical prayer I can pray with you. There's no special formula. There's no special sauce. You just simply have to believe. You have to repent, turn from your sins, and believe in Jesus. Now, if that's you today and you want to make that commitment to the Lord, then I'll lead you in this simple prayer. But this is not the end. This is only the beginning. Because it doesn't matter if you say some words and don't back it up with a repentant lifestyle and believing in Jesus, it won't matter. But I would like to help you at least start you off in your journey. So just pray this prayer with me. And just say, Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. And I'm in need of a Savior. I ask Jesus to come in my heart, in my life, and ask you to live in me. I repent of my sins and ask you to give me the grace every day to repent. And I turn to you and I confess that I believe Jesus and I receive him as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. From this moment forth, I pray you give me the grace to walk before you, to seek you every day. Help me to live the life that you've called me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friend, again, that's not the end of things. It's only the beginning. I pray that your heart will continue to seek after God after this point. I pray you continue to seek after God. I pray that you think about the things that we've talked about today. And I pray that you will always acknowledge Jesus. Repent, turn of your sin, turn from your sins, and continue to believe in him. And finally, get right with God. Amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.